Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host, and today we have Matt Akins back with us again. So stay tuned, and let's see how the coronavirus affects the basics of buying a house. Alrighty, everyone. So let's all join together with me and let's welcome back Matt. Matt, welcome back to the show. Yeah, glad to be back. So Matt, you had reached out to me and that when we had done our recording for the basics on the home buying process, we forgot what's probably the biggest thing going on in the market right now. And that is probably this giant worldwide pandemic. So how, in addition to what we've said in the last episode, which you should definitely go listen to if you haven't listened to it already, uh, what should we know about how the coronavirus has changed the home buying process? Man, it's been nuts. It's just been crazy to see how many things have had to change. We've had to sidestep. We're working all different ways. I mean, I feel like the first thing I should talk about is how much it's changed my life and how I operate. I, I've always thought of myself as like a face-to-face -face salesman. Like I'm the best salesman when I'm face-to-face -face with somebody and I get to talk to them, make them comfortable get to know me. So it's been weird to get used to just phone and email. I mean, that's pretty much it. I guess I, I could Zoom people, but it's basically phone and email. Uh, so it's been weird to get to get used to that. At this point, I've been working from home for like four months now, and I never did that before. I had the ability to, but I, I always kind of was an eight to five guy. I was, I was the guy who came in, made yourself completely available from eight to five, you know, not a lot of nights and week weekends unless I just absolutely had to, or I was swamped. Yeah, so if someone wanted you, they could just walk in. Yeah. They wouldn't necessarily have to find a, quote, find a spot in your busy schedule. They could just stroll on in because they know Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, you're there. Yeah, I and I like being that dependable one. I like being the one that, like, if you call, he's probably the one that's going to answer the phone. Or if you come in, he's going to be in his office. I liked being that dependable, that coverage type person, and coronavirus completely changed that. And so, uh, so yeah, it's kind of a weird dynamic right now. I'm working from home, you know, working off of a laptop and a cell phone. I do have an assistant. I have somebody who helps me in the office, and he is in the office. And so the person that I have forever just hollered at when I needed something is is now not in the same building as me. And so there's just kind of a constant instant message going on. We talk on the phone maybe once a day. I mean, that's nuts to think this is the main person that I'm working with day in, day out, uh, and I'm talking to him a couple minutes a day. Matt, I mean, over the phone or basically never face-to-face. -face. So it's it's been interesting to, to get used to that. So, so I, it changed for me for sure, and then change for the customer. So I'm used to the customer coming in, us visiting face-to-face, you know, a real handshake introduction. And now everything starts with a phone call or everything starts with an email introduction, which is fine, but it's just different than what we're used to. And uh, for people that have never done this before, a lot of people like to meet face-to-face -face just to have that certain comfort level. And uh, you're not able to come in the office at the moment. Or sometimes you have somebody who they're thinking about building a house. Well, that's a totally different conversation altogether. They want to talk through that. So what does it, what does it take? The, the down payment? The, wait, there's not a down payment? It's a totally different situation. We have another loan officer that's going to help us with part of it. It's two phases. It's a whole different thing. And so not being able to meet with someone face-to-face, -face, uh, you're always worried that something's going to get lost in translation. And so you have to kind of adjust uh, for how you operate if it's all over the phone or by email. Oddly enough, 
I have been as efficient as I was in the office. You know, sometimes I think about the the in office, you know, the water cooler talk or the banter at work, which is good for camaraderie. Uh, but you know, there's definitely some downtime in the office. Now the downtime is like feeding my kids or like you know finishing a load of laundry uh, <laughs> in between calls and stuff. And so it's so odd to have this different thing. It's not more or less time. It's just totally different. And so it's it's been weird to get used to that. And occasionally, you know, I have two children. I have a, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. Occasionally, one of them's going to run in while I'm on the phone or they're going to run in while I'm on a Zoom or something. Uh, and that makes for interesting conversation as well. So, uh, Have you seen that video? I think it was like a BBC reporter. They were videoing. The dude was doing a Skype interview. He was talking about, like, politics of North Korea versus South Korea. And then all of a sudden, the door to the room he's in opens, and like a three year old walks in and is like, Hi, Daddy. And then there's another kid in one of those things where it's like, the kid's young enough to where they can't stand, but he's in one of those things where it's like, they can kind of use their feet to kind of walk. <laughs> like, it's a harness on wheels. Like, yeah, yeah. So then that kid like walks in, and the housekeeper comes in in a rush, like, <gasps> Oh no! And like she's hurrying, trying to realize that she's on video. Yeah, yeah. And the whole time the guy's sitting there looking at the camera, just like trying to continue. Yeah. So uh, the the problem with North Korean politics, it and it's like a two and a half minute video. Because how? Oh man. Because like the housekeeper or the nanny, whoever it is, is trying to like wrestle the kids, and the kids are like, oh, I want to see daddy. I mean, it's gonna happen. <laughs> the the good part about it is every once in a while you visit with the client over the phone. Uh, and they have the dog barking in the background, or they have the kid that comes up asking for six snacks. And it's it's nice to have that little bit of reality where they're in the same boat that I am. And so, but it happens a lot. You know, those kind of things are going to happen. So, you know, the way we operate has certainly changed. There is some good news that goes with the coronavirus, depending on how you look at it, I guess. Obviously, the economy took took a hit when it first started. You know, businesses, a lot of businesses had to shut down for a certain amount of time. Uh, the stock market took a big hit. The stock market has found its way back. But a lot of how our pricing happens, how we determine interest rates, is based on expectations. It's not necessarily just the stock market or just the real estate market. And so the expectations are still very uncertain. So interest rates are like at all-time lows. And so that pushes our industry. So while the purchase market's actually pretty good right now, it really hasn't fallen off, the refinance market has jumped up because even the people that were getting good interest rates two or three years ago are now uh, in a position where they might be able to refinance and save a half a percent or 1% or 2% on whatever their current home loan rate is. They can get a lower interest rate, maybe lower a payment or shorten the term. And so I hate to call it good news associated with the coronavirus, but Silver lining. Silver lining is, yeah, we, we've seen uh, interest rates fall because of the uncertainty of the coronavirus, and it has bettered some people's situation as far as their home loans concerned. Well, all right. Well, what about in the process? Besides, you know, not being able to meet face-to-face -face with your lender, has anything changed in the process just because, you know, virus going around? Yes. So at least myself, a lot of our disclosure paperwork or things that we need you to sign, we met with a lot of people in person. Maybe 50% of the time we had somebody come in and sign paperwork in front of us so we could explain it. It was easier you know, to go through paperwork or go over numbers. 
with somebody who's right in front of you and can clear up any questions that you might have. But now we're doing almost everything in e-signable format. So we're emailing you this packet and you have to go over it yourself. So unless you want to call me on the phone and we go through one by one, which rarely happens, most people are e-signing documents for us and sending us information back that way. And so a lot of people don't have that scanner at home or a fax machine. Uh, unbelievably, we still use fax machines sometimes. But a lot of information we're just having to do by email or by e-signable format, uh, which is really different and sometimes new for clients. We don't have much of an option for you to come by and sign. I guess technically you could still get your paperwork through the drive-thru or we could mail it to you if you really want us to. But that's been a whole different thing. Now, the process itself through underwriting or the appraisal, some of those items have changed a little bit. So there was a point in the in this pandemic where appraisers weren't comfortable going in homes. And so we had to we had to get that addressed. You know, what if the homeowner is at risk? What if the homeowner is infected? What if the appraiser is at risk? So all these different scenarios of what do we do if we're not comfortable with somebody being in our house has really changed how it works. And so the the programs kind of a, a temporary update or allowance for, okay, we'll just let allow for a drive-by appraisal. Or some appraisers have taken pictures of the outside of the home and then asked the homeowner to send them or email them a few pictures of the inside of the house just for the report, just to add to the report. And so that's a whole different thing. That That's never really been allowed, but weird times called for weird measures, I guess. So, and then in underwriting, you know, there was a point where a lot of people were just completely out of work. And, you know, if you have an hourly job where you make an hourly wage and you work a certain amount of hours per week, that's pretty easy for us to verify. If you've gone back to work, even if you had time off, if you've gone back to work, we can use that income. But for the self-employed people or the people that operate in businesses that have not been able to come back all the way or their hours have been cut because the business just can't afford to pay them as much as they used to or don't have as many hours, some of those situations, there's gray area there. And we really need to verify that your income is consistent and stable. And so we want to be able to help anybody and everybody. But if you were working 40 hours a week, making $15 an hour, and now you're working 12 hours a week, your situation has changed. And as much as we would love to help you, we also don't want to put you in a position to where you can't handle this new house payment or you won't be able to handle it for very long. The worst part of the pandemic is the uncertainty. We don't know when it's going to end. I think we all thought when it started, it was a couple of months. And now it's been four or five months and it seems to be worse. We don't know. There's no end in sight. And so some of those details of what you could afford and what you can afford now have changed slightly. And so we have to verify what your income is now and do you still qualify? Was there a big enough change to where we need to note that? And so for some self-employed people, that's really difficult to do. Hey, we need to get you know a year-to-date statement on your business well, my business is struggling right now. Well, we know that. We need to see if it's that struggle is too much to handle a new house payment or not. It's really hard to buy a house in the middle of maybe, of potentially having your income halved. Right. So if your income has halved, then that's a problem. If your income hasn't changed very much, then it's probably no big deal. We're just, we, 
have extra measures to verify those differences now. Yeah, it probably doesn't help much if you just say, ah, you know, everything will bounce back. They get the house anyway, can't make the payments, they're struggling, they got to do whatever to try to make the house payments. Eventually they can't, depending on how long this virus goes, and then they get foreclosed on. Yeah. And yeah. It, does any, it doesn't do anyone any good. No, certainly by, not. By just doing the loan. No. And, I mean, it's it's a scary thought, too, because it's not just are my hours cut. I mean, some people are losing their jobs. Some people have worked through it the whole time and have not lost any income, but the business might not be doing well enough to continue. And that's something that we can't even hedge our risk for. So there's there's all these scenarios of, and this is where fear sets in, but there's all those scenarios of, you know, how much does industry change? How much did your employment change? Did it change at all? Some businesses are thriving right now because they fit some little niche of what's needed at this very moment. If you ask the grandmother who knitted face masks, you know, six months ago, I'm sure she was doing fine, but now her hands probably don't work because she's been knitting so much since then, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's that scene from, uh, what was it, Happy Gilmore, where oh. you had Ben Stiller as the... Uh, the nursing home worker? God, the CEO of, of Grannies or Us. Yeah. <laughs> My fingers hurt. Oh, well, now your back's going to hurt because you just pulled lawn duty. <laughs> oh, Ben Stiller's great. He only plays like two characters in any movie ever, but it's always like the overly violent, harsh guy or like the feel really bad for me because everything bad happens to me person. He only He's only got two people that he ever plays. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the harsh one because like, he's a little dude. Like, he just... Like, uh, like dodgeball. Oh, dodgeball is just classic, absolute classic. White Goodman, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> no one messes with White Goodman. W H I T. Oh, it's so good. Oh, that's an underrated movie. Very underrated movie. Well, it's an underdog story. <laughs> also true. Also true. Uh, and then one more thing that that has certainly impacted a lot of people. It's not a great situation. It can be a savior for a lot of people if you're unable to make your payments. But it does affect things, you know, longer term than just three months or six months. Is this idea of forbearance? So if you have a home loan and you've been put out of work or your income is way down, uh, you've been cut on hours, or your spouse has, or your situation has changed, mortgage companies are offering forbearance where you don't have to make the payment in this time of need because it affected so many people we had to adjust what forbearance payments needed to be made but people need to know that forbearance is not something that just you skip three payments it's tacked onto the end and it's over forbearance changes what you can afford and how soon you can afford it forbearance shows up on your credit report and so it it won't affect your credit score immediately or anything like that but if you had a forbearance payment for three months and then you get your job back and you're going back to work, you can't necessarily just come back, hey, I got my job back last week, I'm getting paid again, I heard interest rates are down, can I refinance my house? We can't just immediately do that. The, the forbearance showed that your employment was unstable or is unstable in the current atmosphere. And so we can't necessarily just refinance or, you know, even even in a reasonable and a logical situation where maybe you realized you don't need as big a house as you do. We can't necessarily help you downsize or buy another house right now when it's all going on if you just went through a forbearance situation. 
So it, it just changes your eligibility if you have forbearance. I don't like to make the metaphor, but I think the comparison shows the seriousness. It's not bankruptcy. It's not foreclosure, but it is something that affects your home loan and your ability to get another home loan in the near future. All forbearance plans cap out at 12 months, so after 12 months has happened, you shouldn't have any issues as long as you go back to making normal payments. But forbearance is a serious thing that we only offer for need situations. So it's not something that's like, ooh, three months of no payments, hot diggity. No, definitely not. And it's certainly different. This, this is why buying a house is a big deal. It's definitely different than your landlord saying, hey, I understand that you don't have a job and you can't make your payment. We can work something out. We'll figure something out later. Or, or maybe you're in a good situation where somebody was able to just say, you don't have to make your, your rent this month. Forbearance is not that. It is not the same thing. You are responsible for it. Somebody's responsible for it. It's just, do you have to make that payment now or can it be pushed to a later time? And that is, you go potentially three months without a payment and then you make four payments at the end because you've got to make three missed plus your current payment. Yeah, so that was originally what we thought everybody was going to have to do. There is some change to that. There is There are some options for repayment, spreading it out over the next year, but it's still not really a situation where you can just tack it on to the end. We've got to look at what you can afford and work with you to figure out how to get your payments caught back up. You know, this is a 30-year loan, so it really changes everything if we were just to tack it on to the end of the note. It sounds like the easiest solution, but that's not really how fin financial transactions work. And compound interest. And compound interest. That makes a big difference. We talked about the time making a huge difference in interest. So Yeah, it might just be three months, but it's three months, potentially 29 years from now. Exactly. Another item worth mentioning is that some of the programs had to go through a temporary suspension. The, the For example, the RD program, the Rural Development Program, we couldn't offer it for about a month's time. And it wasn't really the financing that was the problem. There's an IRS verification that we do that was unavailable to us for about a month. And so it just made it to where, okay, we, we can't meet this one requirement of the program. And so we're not able to offer this product because we can't verify a certain type of income. And it sounds minor, but if we can't meet every requirement of the program, then we aren't able to, to approve those type of loans. Right now, we're four, four and a half months into this pandemic, and here in Arkansas, we have a down payment assistance program to where you can get up to $10,000 of help uh, with your down payment or closing costs. We have not been able to offer that program the whole time, and so it's still suspended even now. And so the most common programs, the most popular programs are n never stopped, didn't have a lot of differences outside of maybe the appraisal or what your employment status was. But some of the programs that are that are real specific in use, we've had to temporarily suspend for different reasons. And that affects people, you know. Uh, not everybody is a veteran. Not everybody will qualify for the rural development program. That down payment assistance program catches some of those people in between. And so if we can't offer it, then there's some people that either are going to have to wait or find another avenue to, to get into a home. All righty. We've talked about just various things that have changed with the coronavirus, but just because we've talked about it in the last episode we did, do you have any horror stories or maybe something rough, something bad that maybe you've heard of happening or that you've seen happen to one of your customers? I do have one example of a young lady who was trying to refinance her home. And this was early uh, in the process when forbearance was just really the first, it was just starting. And 
she wanted to refinance her house. Her goal was to lower her interest rate, which could definitely happen, and lower her payments. So she actually would have extended her term a little bit. And to that point, she had not lost income, lost hours or anything, but she cut hair for a living. She's a hairdresser. And in the week that we locked her in to refinance her home loan, the governor of our state shut down all salons. Well, at the time, we didn't even know how long it was going to be. And so we immediately, she immediately becomes ineligible. She is not currently working. We cannot verify that she is currently employed, even though she had made to that point in the year as much money as expected. She's not currently working and we don't know how long she's not going to be able to work. And so she went back to work about four weeks later. I think it opened back up and we could revisit with her at that time. But everybody's situation is a little bit different. And that was something that's totally out of her control. She's not a high risk person. She would have worked all the way through if it was up to her. But her business had to be shut down by law for, I think, four weeks or five weeks or something like that. And we could not refinance her at that time. Wow, Matt. I mean, that, yeah, that certainly is a horror story. Uh, well, I'd hate to change the subject, but while we're talking about just coronavirus, you got anything else for us? I don't think so. I'd just like it to be done sooner rather than later. Wait, the, the episode or the virus? <laughs> <laughs> just the virus. <laughs> well, you know what? Too bad, because we're ending the episode. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for coming back with us again. It was a lot of fun. And as Matt likes to say, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>